and welcome to another edition of the Nerdy Agent Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Pedersen, alongside my brothers and fellow nerds, Josh and AJ. Today, we're going to discuss all things commission lawsuit, but first, we're going to talk about how the Vikings are on their way to winning their first ever Super Bowl, and we are very excited. We never thought it was going to happen this way, guys. <laughs> we said the same thing. We were, the last episode, we what, talked about how the Twins were going to win the World Series, and that didn't happen, so let's not get ahead of ourselves too much. We're three and four, Josh. That's a really good record. It's a really good record. And uh, Jordan Addison is Justin Jefferson, and we have Justin Jefferson coming back, and TJ Hawkinson is the best tight end in the league. I think the only reason that Addison can't be Jefferson is I don't think he has the same size, right? He, I'm actually. Can, I was gonna text you guys last night. I feel night. like JJ's like six four. They're both really good. I was yeah. gonna text you last night. He looks like he could get snapped in half pretty easily. He's he's really small. He's not very big. See how skinny he is? He's really good. He is. He's really fast. Um, but Vikings Super Bowl. You heard it here. You heard it here first. I don't typically say that. Haven't said that ever in the past. So um, this just, is the first Justin, time I've ever. Justin predicted. Jefferson is six foot one, two hundred and three pounds. Jordan Addison is five foot eleven. Oh. 174 pounds. pounds. Yeah, he okay, is so, so lot different. small. Okay, so well, let's get into what actually matters here. This week, we're going to talk about the commission lawsuit. If you haven't heard of the commission lawsuit or haven't been following it, and you're an agent or anybody that has anything to do with do you real mean estate, like if you're an agent and you live under a rock? Exactly. Okay, you need to be following this. Inman is tracking it pretty closely. There's a lot of stuff updating everybody about it. Um, so you should be reading these articles, but we're going to break it down just kind of at a high level um, to make sure that you have an idea of what's going on. So to start. Can we address the yep. spooky elephant in the room first? I like, forgot. We didn't why, talk about why, glasses. Why? I mean, this commission lawsuit people <laughs> think is very scary. We're scary. Mm, Halloween. Halloween theme. Halloween is right around the corner, so we are wearing cat glasses. I guess. I think these are cat glasses. Cats are creepy. I mean, I yeah. They're we costumes. Actually, fun fact, we, every Halloween, so our, our, our outdoor cat, Lucky, is a black cat, and the week of and, like, the few days around Halloween, we actually can't, like, kind of can't let him outside because... People do bad things to black cats during Halloween. Have you heard That's that? That's not very nice. It's Why horrible. would anyone hurt a cat? I it's thought horrible. it was because black cats do mean things to people yeah, on Halloween. I don't know. You want to know what's no, funny, though? I walked in this morning he might. You know, in my hat that I wore today just because it's a normal day. Yeah. And Haley was like, that'll be perfect for the podcast. <laughs> today. And I was like, what are you talking about? This is just my hat. And she's like, no, this is a very good theme. Yeah, on I, theme. I don't know. So I, I'm going to wear this all day. But I got a closing in a little bit here. I'll wear if you're it. listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, it's time to switch over to YouTube so you can see the, the actual fits. And today. subscribe. Subscribe to the channel. Listen to our podcast. We would love to have feedback even. Um, let us know what you'd like to hear. Uh, you got questions. Maybe you have some uh, racy comments for us. Yeah. Who knows? As, my, as my daughter would say, uh, when... She makes a like fake video. Like, comment, subscribe. Please <laughs> sign. <laughs> All right. Let's get into what matters here. Commission lawsuits. So talk about how it started um, and break down the beginning of this. I mean, was it 2020? 2021? It's, yeah, it's probably been two or three years. Um, there were a couple of home sellers. Uh, I believe one in Illinois, one in, where was it? East Coast, maybe? A couple people started saying... Um, this is an antitrust case. Uh, buyers' uh, agents are paid by the seller. And uh, to participate on the MLS, for those that don't know, it's been required that there's some compensation paid to the buyer. So that could be $1 on our MLS forever, um, but it's some compensation. So they're saying the fact that the seller, uh, and it comes from the seller, right? So that fact that the seller has to pay something monetarily to the buyer's agent um, makes this some sort of antitrust case uh, and that there's a conspiracy to kind of fix the commissions as well the, yeah the big piece there is not necessarily and I, I think they do mention you know you got to pay a buyer's agent to get listed on the MLS 
I they're really going after the six percent as a general mm-hmm. rule of thumb. Um, from a lot of the stuff I've read, they've brought up all the training materials about how you know if a seller wants to pay less, you gotta object that and tell them that you need to make the amount of money you're going to make based on the work you're going to do and that agents won't come show their clients the house if it's not 2.7 yada yada um reading through the inman article you can get a lot better breakdown on that so and from that they now are at trial with a judge with a jury to decide kind of make a decision on who wins or who loses in this situation for those who don't know just you're aware of the trial situation This could be settled, right? We might not get through the entire trial. They might settle out. I think Remax and it was... Anywhere. Anywhere both settled, which I found it to be... As far as the details on how much money both these brokerages made from commissions, Anywhere is a lot newer company than Remax. Uh, No, it's actually not. It's not. It's um, older. Yeah, it probably is. That's Coldwell Banker, and they changed their name like... that's what it is. A year or two ago. Okay. Big branding play. Which state are they in? You can find them anywhere. 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 <laughs> so they paid more. It was like 80 from them and 50 from Remax. And both of them had to add um, verbiage in that said that their agents at their brokerage did not have to be a part of NAR. Because apparently, previously, in order to be a part of their brokerages, they had to also be a part of NAR. They, yeah, they and they changed it so that they essentially don't have to offer a commission anymore. So that's kind of, I think, the, the rub there. I don't know what NAR is going to eventually do on this because it seems like it's inevitable that we're going to get to the point where the option as a seller to not offer a buyer broker comp is going to exist in the in the future state. I think a lot of um, MLSs are already like putting this in place themselves. So, yeah. so one of the one of the big questions that I had going into the trial was not knowing, not being a lawyer, not understanding how trials work, was what are they actually trying to like decide? What is the jury going to rule on? And so I just wanted to read this before we got into what was actually going on at the trial currently. And this is from one of the articles I was reading that basically lays out what the jury is going to have to decide on. So it says, according to the plaintiff's proposed jury verdict form, jurors will have, the de- have to decide whether they believe a conspiracy existed in the sense of if they conspiracy to make sure that sellers were paying buyer's agents and that continued. Did you have a doubt in there? Conspired. Conspired. What was the word you were looking for? They believe a conspiracy existed. Yeah, that, conspired. That they conspired, sure. sorry. And if they do, whether that conspiracy raised, inflated, or stabilized broker commission rates by, paid by home sellers. If the jurors answer yes to that question... They must then say whether they believe each of the defendants knowingly and voluntarily joined the conspiracy with the purpose of furthering its goals. The jurors, the jurors must then say whether they believe the conspiracy caused the plaintiffs to pay more for real estate brokerage services than they would have without the conspiracy. If the answer is yes, then they must state the amount of the damages proved by the class plaintiffs. So they could say we uh, side with the plaintiffs, but there's no amount was one of the options. So side with the plaintiffs and give them money. Side with the plaintiffs, don't give them money, or side with the defendants are their three options. Yeah, and the funny thing about all that is that's still like a point-in-time solution. It doesn't necessarily dictate what will change in the future within the industry, right? So if the brokerages seem like they're the ones that are ultimately going to be responsible for making any sort of adjustments to how buyer-broker comp is handled, uh, if they were going to move away from sellers paying it, et cetera, and so it is kind of interesting to say, like, okay, they could still pay millions of dollars out to the plaintiffs, but the industry could still exist in a very similar way moving forward, even if that happens. I guess calling that out because I think, like everything in the world right now, there's a lot of fear around 
what is going to happen here because I think most people are just saying, well, it seems inevitable that sellers are no longer going to pay buyer brokers comp. Then buyers agents are going to have to ask their buyers for brokerage comp, which makes them feel uncomfortable, and therefore they're not going to get paid. So only there's going to be sellers agents. So half of agents will disappear. Um, I think we're jumping to some pretty wild conclusions in a lot of cases that may or may not be the case. It's not saying it's out of the question that could happen, but it is something that I think the level of fear agents are feeling right now may be more significant if they actually dug into what's really going on. And so I want to talk about the actual trials. Can you give me some kind of snippets on where it's at right now and what they've been specifically talking about as far as the plaintiffs? I mean, they're they're bringing up, uh, you know, different home sellers and having them ex- describe their experience. Um, notably, the, the plaintiffs are bringing up people that they think will further their uh, case. And, um, you know, the big line that we talked about before we hopped on here was um, a woman named Rhonda Burnett uh, said, I paid the buyer's broker to negotiate against me and my husband, which resulted in a lower sales price. So some good points where they're trying to show that the fact that the buyer and the seller are actually on very different sides of a transaction um, and the seller is actually paying the commission to the agent who represents the buyer, um, it's not a bad thought uh, at all, I don't think. Um, but it is the way that we've done this forever. So it's interesting that it's coming to light and and that's what's going on. I think the, the thing that we talked about a little earlier too that is a little bit like I kind of feel like these people that get up here and talk, I understand what they're saying. It's just, and maybe they're saying, I'm just stuck in the system and I had no other choice or whatever. Um, But the point is that uh, these people all signed contracts. Like Rhonda doesn't sound like she's a five-year-old or seven-year-old. And I don't mean to be mean, but she's an adult woman that looked at a contract and signed it. um, And it stated exactly what was going to happen when the house sold. So, is there a conspiracy to say uh, the seller shouldn't pay the buyer's broker? That's the argument they're trying to make. But in the end, every one of these people that got up there and talked got charged what the contract said. And we even said, if you uh, have you pay for Xfinity services and it's a year-long contract, you have to read the contract so you know actually what you're agreeing to, right? There, there was one situation they sprinkled in there where this guy said that he had had signed a contract that said 5.5 commission and then on the final settlement closing that he ended up signing and getting paid and it all kind of ended was he ended up paying six. But I think that the the key to remember is there's always going to be slimy people in everything that doesn't really affect like in that situation he should have just sued the brokerage. Yeah, I mean that seems wrong. like a one-off where I don't know how a contract would have been written where they could have added another fee unless he included sh- like a broker admin fee yeah. that then rolled into it and it rolled up to I don't I don't know how it, the details there. That said, I think the word that comes out of everyone's mouths that's the plaintiffs is this concept of fairness. And as someone who used to be outside the industry, I always thought it was weird because I just like why would the sellers pay the buyers agents? And then you get in the industry and you realize there's a couple reasons why. I mean, the buyers typically have to have a lot of money to buy a house, and so having the sellers pay it, at least it seems, and this is coming from a slightly biased viewpoint, but it allows for people that don't have a lot of access to capital to be able to have a resource to support them through a transaction, which in theory should create more parity and more availability of buying a home to a wider audience of people financially, which should be a net good thing. But as a seller, it can I can see how in a one-off scenario, it would be viewed as unfair, right? So for Rhonda, she's going, well, 
this isn't fair, right? That's the thing that kind of comes back. The irony of that comment still is Rhonda bought that house at some point, right? So she's selling it. Unless she inherited it, she bought it. But I, there's no comment around the fact that she probably didn't pay her buyer's agent when she bought the house, but didn't call that unfair either. So it's, it, is, it is a unique setup, I would say, as someone who's worked in pricing in this industry. I think personally it does benefit agents because it makes it easier for us to have buyers because buyers feel more comfortable just going out and starting to work with people because they don't have to spend any money on the process part of things out of their pocket. At least it feels to them like it's a free service. Um, but it also, in a lot of ways, as I've gotten further into it, it does feel like it at least creates a better outcome for uh, the buyer specifically who may not have the option to purchase a home in a, uh, in a different state. Well, and the other irony of the whole thing is who's actually paying the agents, right? The mortgage company. The mortgage company. <laughs> who's paying the agents, right? I mean, like if, or if a buyer's paying cash, like there's, it's just equity that's, that is the well, sellers, right. right? So it's and a, that's it's why an, it makes sense for the sellers to pay it because it's an in accounting theory, problem. they have the money on the front end, but it does create a scenario where an agent doesn't have to have a difficult conversation with the buyer but on who, how much they cost. Who is the last person to touch the actual cash before it goes to the agent? The title company. It's either the down payment funds from the buyer that go to the title company yep. or the funds wired from the mortgage company. The earn, you could argue. It literally never touches the seller's hands. You could actually yeah. argue, and I know we're getting into it. This becomes super, uh, what's the movie? Inter, uh, Interstellar? No. Where they go deeper and deeper Inception? into the dreams. Inception. This becomes Inception. Get this. Again, get this. For those who don't know, if you're not an agent, and a buyer, let's say they have a $15,000 down payment but their earnest money is $10,000. They put their earnest money down. That earnest money is held at the listing brokerage's trust account. Mm -hmm. And when that listing broker gets paid their commission after closing, they are sent a check, whatever they're, let's say they're making 15, title company sends them five and they keep the 10. That's how they get paid. The buyer is paying the the selling agent's commission? Oh, this is Inception. You know what I'm saying? Like you could, you could argue this in so many different ways. I think the, the, what it all comes down to is the fact that historically real estate agents have been taught to be used car salesmen when they shouldn't mm-hmm. be. They should be they should be held to a standard of financial advisor versus yeah. car salesmen or even Some higher financial than that, advisors or crap, are car salesmen. True. Exactly. But you look at this and No and, offense financial advisors. Cuz you could also argue and I and I like to I like to try and stay unbiased, right? Because obviously this affects how we get paid. I like to think that if we continue adding value that we do things significantly different than a lot of these agents are talking about and so I, we'll still Does this affect yourself. how we get paid? It, in the long run it could. That's what they're trying to do, right? We don't know. But it, I I might argue that if buyers have to pay buyers agents commissions, we could say we're better buyer's agents than everybody else. Yeah. I charge 3% because I'm better than exactly. Steve it down could the street. That. But you could also say uh, this woman who said that I had to pay the buyer's broker to negotiate against me. Well, you were paying the buyer's broker because without the buyer's broker, you don't have a buyer. That's so And that's the, no that's money. how this started. I mean, how I understand it in it's real like estate they put is a finder's fee there were only listing agents. Yep. And someone said, I can be a buyer's agent. Would you pay me if I brought you a buyer? Exactly. And that's how this all became the way that it is. The, the problem here is it feels like the the move in the 90s to force this the is the mistake. Mm-hmm. The, the marketplace probably would have moved here regardless because buyer's agents, I think, are necessary, right? 
if you remove this and you have a bunch of buyers running around trying to buy houses without agents, it's chaos. Theoretically, if you've ever worked with a buyer who tried to buy on their own, you realize there's a lot that they don't know and there's a lot of mistakes they could make along the way, right? Just by doing it on their own. We've talked about this. I mean, everyone assumes because a lot of agents historically have not done a good job that they can just do this job. I, I assume maybe from the like from the outside when I wasn't in, I was like, I could probably just do that. But no one ever talks about like, I don't call my accountant and be like, I can just do your job, right? Like, so we, we have to be adding some value. Otherwise, there'd be no purpose for us to exist. And so I do think you run a, a dangerous, playing play a little bit of a dangerous game to get to the point where buyer's agents just disappear because I think they're necessary. That said, in the 90s, I think when they forced them to pay them, anytime you force anybody to do anything, that's when the unfairness is going to creep in. And so I think it is a mistake for them to force seller's agents to offer buyer's agents commissions. Like when we bought our house, right, you helped us. Yeah. There was no buyer's agent fee because it was an off-market property. They're like, no, you pay your own agent if you want to have this house. And that's fine. I think that should be allowed. I don't, I don't see any reason why a seller shouldn't be able to determine that that's the way they do it. But I think it's to go one way or the other. I think a lot of sellers, we have some agents that sellers, they'll talk to sellers like we know people. They'll say, well, you should offer 7% and I'll split it three and a half for us and three and a half for the buyer's agents because I'm going to make you a lot more money by offering a big buyer's agent commission to get as many buyers in here as possible. So it's just an interesting thing where I think the all or nothing that people talk about with this seems backwards to me. And I, I There do should th- be options. Yeah, and I mean, there is something to be said about the fact that the majority of people are charging 6% and they're saying, that seems like you guys are price fixing and colluding. And if when you, if, when you look at commercial real estate, it's all over the board. Like nothing is the same on any transaction and that's kind of probably how it should be. Right. And we're starting to see lower payouts on some stuff. Um, specifically when the market was super hot, the builders were like, yeah, we'll pay one and a half or Mm -hmm. 2% or whatever. Um, I've told buyers, I've told agents forever because people say that, well, they're only paying whatever. Should I get my buyer to pay the difference? And I, I literally respond with most of the time, I don't even know what the commission percentage is until it's under contract. And then I look before I turn the form in until so Dwight write, can put it in correctly. Until you write the offer, you have to add it on the comp disclosure. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, I don't even see it. So it is it is really interesting, but I think uh, the reason this kind of stuff happens is because a lot of agents act that way, right? And they, they're greedy or they, um, they act in a way that makes a seller feel like they're getting slighted. And one could argue that that comes back to the fact that they made it way too easy for real estate agents to be real estate agents. If yes. you had just made this really difficult, you would have gotten people that add high value, that do a really good job, that are more ethical. Whereas I even saw another line that said they're trying to make it so agents can't, um, in the MLS, which I didn't even, I don't even know if this is a thing. I have to look on the ad edit portion of Northstar MLS, make it so you can't remove houses based on the buyer broker compensation. And because people have done that. And then the, and and then the, the comments on the comments on Facebook were, just put it in concierge mode so you don't send them the low commission percentage deals. And I was like, you can, goodness that's gracious. That's what I'm saying. There's, there are agents out there that, which of course I should have known that, of course this is a thing, that will say, like, I set up a search for a buyer, three bed, two bath, plus, whatever, and then they go down and they say, no, nothing with a buyer broker comp less than X. They take it off the search? Uh, yes. That's insane. That's insane. Well, but I mean, like, that, that happens, and then we get into this position, right? Well, right. Because That's why it gets to here. I mean, it is, a, it is, if you go back to basic economics, it's a function of incentives. So if an agent's only selling six houses a year, they finally have a buyer, they're like, I need to maximize this commission to survive, whatever that might be. But to Luke's point, if that had, agent had to push to get actual knowledge and get good at this to get into the industry, 
they might not be doing that. I think the message to agents, and we feel like we're kind of knocking everyone who's probably listening to this podcast the way that we're talking about this, is it is your job to deliver enough value where your buyer feels like if they had to pay you directly, that the amount that they would have to pay you is what you're worth, right? Did you save them $10,000 by being a really good agent through the transaction, negotiating on their behalf, pointing out stuff that's problematic, that if they would have done on their own, they would have been way worse off versus paying you to do it. And if you're not doing that, you got to figure out how to deliver that because that should be the expectation. I mean, we, we, we should all strive to be better than the commissions that we get paid. To earn your income? So yeah, that earn it. Seems like yes. A good thing. You talk about knocking. Like, I personally feel that everybody kind of involved in this is just wrong. Like, they're all, they're all pointing fingers at everybody, whereas I can literally just shuffle all the money around and say, like, this is – I just – I did it with the earnest money. It's like they're paying them. They're, everybody's paying each other, right? They're all just trying to m- kind of make a buck almost off of it, it seems like, because of the fact that a lot of real estate agents in the past sold people things they probably shouldn't have sold and, them. And coming from being a class member on a recently settled lawsuit go. where I received like $4,800 for uh, not being paid minimum wage while I played baseball. I was going to um, bring that example up. That, it's funny that there was a comment on Inman that I absolutely loved, and this is exactly how our lawsuit was pay- paid out as well, is if you called 10 class action lawsuit attorneys, this guy said, uh, what do you think the percentage would be on uh, all of them for representing a class? And he said, it's 33%. Literally every one of them is going to say it's 33%. Um, and that's what the attorneys were paid that did our lawsuit, which was $60 million for them. Um, and I'm sure that's what they're being paid on this lawsuit as well, which it's really interesting, uh, the amount of regulation that goes in to this sort of thing in a you know consumer to business relationship the unique right? thing about that situation because i was going to actually bring that up because so my what i'm wondering is what's going to happen after this right one thing for everybody to note before we get there th- i just want to read this note because this is important because everybody's like what's going to happen how is this going to play out what's going to come about there's a quote i think it was from inman that said no matter who wins at trial the losing party or parties will almost certainly appeal that means it may be years before there's a final decision in the case how soon that affects the effects of the trial will be felt across the industry depends on who wins and whether the court chooses to require changes while a final decision is pending. So there's a chance that this happens because I think it's this it wraps up this week. I think the plaintiffs just rested their case on Monday. I believe yep. defendants will on it's, Monday. It's, I thought it was November 11th supposed to be done, but Could maybe be. they're, they're maybe they wrap it out early. Fast. So okay. so they might make a decision and then it, nothing happens for three years to change commissions drastically in the industry. But and in your situation. The plaintiffs won. You were awarded money, and then minor league pe- players started getting paid more. And, and they changed a whole bunch of stuff. Like they have to feed you. You don't pay any uh, clubby dues. Yeah. You don't like. There's a whole. B- yeah, but like it didn't change that much. It changed uh, quite a oh bit. Yeah, I mean, but you're not. You're still getting paid very little for what you're oh, doing. But right? Way like, more than they were though. And but they were getting paid less than minimum wage. So it's not like it was. Yeah. A dra- like, but minor league baseball players are still drastically underpaid for the value that they deliver. But that's. Yes, but you're right. There will be. It, it was more than doubled the salaries. Yeah. So and like, in a chance, <laughs> so you went from a thousand dollars a month to two thousand. Well, I mean, a month. it says that salaries for low A went from eleven thousand to twenty six thousand six hundred, and that's only for half a year of work. Technically, right? It's you're still good. working in the off season, but that's a pretty big change. Yeah. So, but I think the point here is what we're assuming, and some agents are like literally losing their mind about, is like half of the income in real estate will disappear. It said thirty percent. That's the that's the belief, right? So from some people, and so similar to what you're saying, like there will be change, regardless of how this plays out. There will be changes. 
there already have been changes, right? So the brokerage are saying, we're going to change our contracts. We're going to allow sellers to offer zero comp because why do we care? And there will be changes to this. There will be changes to training. The New York City MLS uh, already said the seller has to pay the buyer's agent directly. It can't go to the brokerage first and then go to the to the buyer's agent, which here it's already done that way. Yep. But I think in other states, a lot of times the money goes to the listing company and then they cut a check to the buyer's agent That's afterwards. What to oh, to the listing broker. I thought you meant to the, the buyer's full, the broker. The full commission, and Those then it gets cut broker. to the buyer's broker. At after. title, it's just sent to us. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. But they're they're breaking it out now yeah, and saying you sense. have to do it that way, which, I again, we do that here. But, and then but, there should be I mean, less, uh, from a training standpoint, you know, we talked about Keller, right? Some of the training things they said, it's like never accept less than 6%. That, that's the kind of stuff they point to when they say price fixing. We need to be more thoughtful about that. We even talked to our agents about some of this stuff. It was like, why would you not be open to having a conversation if that's what helps you help somebody? The only right? Like, talk to people. Pricing is negotiable. The only knock I have on that is you're now saying that I don't have the right to earn my money. Like, you, like they said, like, they were setting, hey, if a seller wants to negotiate, here's what's going to give you the best chance to make the most amount of money. So you're telling me now I have to just, like, Roll over mm. is would be the op would be no, the, it's, would be the it's just the approach argument. the approach to training from the brokers who are the ones who are under the microscope here yes. needs to be a little more thoughtful. Yeah, it's okay for agents, especially like if you're a really good agent, to say I think this is my value, I think this is what I should be paid. I will show you why I'm worth this commission. That's an okay conversation to have. But there's the like the way this is structured and the way this has been coached, it it gets rid of the difficult conversations. It just says, my brokerage will only let me allow 6% to be my commission. Or, yeah, you don't have to pay me. I'm just the buyer's agent, right? Like That's the these, one that's, that one's wrong. Because they, it is not, wrong. But yeah, I'm saying that, that the way this whole thing is structured and has been coached has created some of these things that then result in sellers feeling like it's unfair versus let's be open and honest about how this works. Let's have a conversation. Let's discuss pricing. And I'll tell you why I'm worth it. And I'll show you all the things I'm going to do for you. But it... It needs to be something where we're able to have difficult conversations if, with sellers and buyers. But if they say, then I hear that, but I'm going to pay you four percent, I just I just say I can't I can't do I, it. I understand that, but the reality is I have staff to pay, I have expenses to go yeah. throughout this process, Objection, and in right. my opinion, or I won't be able to make any money at the end of the day. So for me, it's just unfortunately not worth it if work. that's what you exactly. want. And that's fine. Walk from a deal then. And they were maybe a little bit more aggressive with their <laughs> sales tactics, I would say, which always the sales tactics side of the industry is always a little bit rough. But if opinion. someone else will take it for 4% and that's who they want to go with and then they maybe lose that money because the person didn't do a good job for them, that's their choice. At least you're allowing them to make that choice. Sorry, right. High horse here. Oh, so the last piece I had here, unless and you get, we can talk about this quickly because we're running out of time. Um, I think... Because this obviously is going to be years. Like this is this industry is going to change over time. Every industry changes over time. So this will happen over the next five ish years. Let's say there may be some changes I immediately. Think, I think that come August, so every August in the Twin Cities, they change our contracts. They add verbiage. They rewrite stuff. There's definitely going to be an additional disclosure somewhere that states that the commissions are negotiable. Because I don't think it explicitly says mm. that yet. And I think a lot of what they're talking about is. I didn't know that I could negotiate. And so I think a lot of their way, whether it's correct in their way around it or not, is going to be something in the contract that says seller agrees that they had the right to negotiate the commissions to the sellers, to the listing brokerage, and to the buyer's brokerage as a part of this contract and agree to the four said commissions. 
right? There's going to be something like that added into these, yep. which at the end of the day, in my opinion, I don't think enough clients read the contracts in my experience. Yep. Maybe it's because they trust us, which they can trust us. It's ironic. We're to pay lawyers some more money mm-hmm. here. Never going to screw anybody over, but um, you should definitely be reading the contracts. I think that's going to be the most immediate thing, some sort of disclosure before anything else happens because that, I guess, is now going to be necessary. Love it. I just, got, I just got a uh, reverse prospecting email for a 4% buyer's agent well. payout. Yeah. How big, funny is that? When the market's out. slow, now the sellers want to pay 4% out in this case. That's interesting. You Very got interesting. So that's that kind of boggles my mind that that happened just now because that is an actual example of the fact that it may, maybe makes sense. Like that, We should track... We need to track that house and see how fast it sells. I'm For the next it's podcast, a terrible house. <laughs> it might be. But let's see after this, see if it sells faster, because that's a good example. I think that'll be fun to track. So, um, But that's all we have this week for the Nerdy Agent Podcast. And as always, and more important than ever before agents, especially with all this stuff coming out, remember, be better. Happy Halloween. <laughs>